G'day. How are we? Oh, good. Very uh, good communication in this congregation, I forgot. Um, right, yeah. We'll, we'll pray to start off. That just kind of helps calms the nerves a bit. So, Lord, I just want to give you thanks for this time to just be uh, diving into your word together. And just pray as we are... Yeah, as we read through this, that you'll open our hearts to what you're trying to say to us, Lord. And yeah, I just pray for a revelation today. In Jesus' name, Lord. Um, so I actually wasn't really ready to preach this week. I've been preparing a sermon for quite a while now on Galatians 5, 1 to 12. And we were like, oh, we don't know if we're leaving to go back to the Sunshine Coast anytime soon, Derek and Jody. And they just went, okay, cool. Well, you're preaching Sunday. Thanks. So here we are. It's awesome. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll start with Galatians 5.1 and we'll just work through to 12 and then we'll explore all that text together. So uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. A bit wild to finish off, I know, but we'll get there. Uh, this passage has been one for, for quite a few weeks now that has laid really heavy on my heart. Uh, every time I read it, I, I, just, I just get caught up. I just wonder, how the heck do we get everything so twisted? And why do we get so caught up in everything that the world seems to throw at us? We'll ask ourselves today, as we continue to explore this together, and what it actually means for us in our everyday If you're unaware of the context of the letter of Galatians, uh, we'll go through it. Paul spent most of his time writing letters to to the Jewish believers. Kind of makes sense. He was probably one of the most zealous Pharisees that had ever been heard of. Uh, Was far ahead in his uh, religion as such. So when it came to it, he actually understood what the Jewish believers got caught up in. He understood the ruts that they fell into 
And he knew the things that the evil one would use to tie them up. What happened in Galatia, there was a group of agitators or false teachers that had actually started to brood their heads. Their nasty teachings had pretty much invaded their way into the community. And they were preaching to people that they must continue to follow the law on top of faith in Christ. There was also false claims going around. This is what Paul was trying to teach all along. They're just approaching you like a snake in the grass saying, but Paul was saying this. You must obey the law on top of Christ. So then Paul comes in. He's right not only to defend himself, but to reinforce what he had initially brought to the Galatians, the message of Christ's gracious gift to us. So now we're at Galatians 5, where Paul has not only continued to provide that message of grace, but he has given a warning to those who dare try and mislead God's children. You start off in verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now it is possible to stray down a path that through the freedom Christ has given us, we can just go on living normally. Doing our every day, doing whatever you like. It's not the point that Paul is trying to get across. I've been reading uh, the message of Galatians by John Stott. And he says in there, it is not saying that we are free from sin, but rather we are free from the law. The Christian freedom that Paul is speaking about is freeing us from the bondage of the law. Allowing us to be in right relationship with the Father through Christ. 1 Peter 2.16 backs up Paul, saying, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And if you don't trust either of those two fellas, well, Jesus preaches this message as well. Jesus says in John 8.34-36, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You are free through Christ. Nothing else. So stop chasing the yoke of slavery that Christ's sacrifice has abolished. Instead, chase Jesus. That is what we're called to. If you read on with me further, Paul continues by saying, if you go ahead then and get yourself circumcised or try and uphold the law, you better make sure you do the whole thing. You can't pick and choose. It's not what it's about. You can't just go, I want to obey this part, but not that part. I still want to steal stuff. You know what I'm saying? In today's terms, it's like someone getting baptised. In their heart, they believe that it will justify them. Oh, I'm going to be washed clean. My sins are going to be gone. How great's that? Don't have to worry. I can sin all I like and then just have a sprinkling. I'm all sweet. But then they go on sinning freely, going about life the way they always have because they believe from that moment, I've been justified. I've been saved by God because I've had my sprinkling. That's what the Jewish believers actually thought was going to happen. And that's why they actually took this message on. 
the uh, message of circumcision was not a was not a new one. It was something that the Jewish believers continued to fall back on because it was the law that was so deeply ingrained in their hearts. So when people came up, false teachers came up and said, you must be circumcised on top of what Christ has done for you. They went, oh yeah, I better. I mean, the law of Moses says that. So I better go and get circumcised. And then that way, I know that I'm right with God. The trouble is though, Paul is stating the complete opposite of that. In verse 4 he states, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And further on in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Again, we can look to Christ because he is the fullness of what this actually looks like. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. Christ in faith and love for the Father died so that we could be restored, so that we could be justified. Christ did that, not you. Doesn't say Ned pinned himself to a cross and just went, yeah, sick, here we go, there's all your sin, say, see you later. It wasn't Derek, it wasn't Steph. Christ was the one that went to the cross for you. Now, to continue on for the believers, Paul states, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not, does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. This statement might not seem like much until you've seen what yeast actually does. Exactly as Paul says, you add that little bit of yeast, it affects the whole batch of dough. In the same way, having false teaching brewed its head up into the church, it affects the entire body, not just the person preaching the message. We hear the term false teaching and assume that it's just this massive thing and that it's going to be super obvious. It's going to be right in your face. That's not the point of it though. A little bit of yeast can hardly see it in the whole batch of dough. All it takes is a minor difference. Yes, oh Jesus is great. But see, look to the side here and you must continue to do the law of Moses. These ten commandments. Yeah, good, Jesus did that. Now we need to keep following that example because that just really wasn't quite enough. Me saying it now makes it kind of obvious. But I'm not a very smooth talker. So I'm very janky. But some people can just present this minor difference and can mislead hundreds of thousands of God's children. For believers to seek 
to be justified by their actions cancels out grace, cancels out the grace of Christ. You can't have it both ways. We can't say that Christ has done it all and then go out and justify ourselves by trying to fulfil the law. Pretty pointless. To do so is to put yourself to the chopping block. Because to try and fulfil the law in your own strength is to put yourself to death. Paul finishes the first half of this chapter by speaking very bluntly towards those misleading God's children. Do you read on with me? The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul's statement saying, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. Now, I consider this kind of like Paul throwing out like a trump card almost. He's addressing the false claims that I mentioned in the beginning, where the agitators were saying he was preaching circumcision all along. He addresses those claims. But if he was still preaching that message, the world would not be offended by what he was talking about. He would not have been locked up in jail for what he was talking about. Because that is what the world wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear Christ on the cross sacrifice for you. They wanted to hear, cool, but what do I need to do? What can I do? I, Ned, want to be the perfect person. I want to be lit up with greatness and wonder so that people can look at me and go, wow, that's a good bloke. Look at how well he serves the law. That's what people wanted to hear. And that's not the message Paul was given. Hence why he continuously was persecuted. The evil one uses the law to manipulate believers. Because the law, and don't get me wrong, the law is good. Moral perfection It is the absolute pinnacle of what people can be. Hence why Christ, the Son of God, was the only one that could accomplish it. But the evil one can use that because we see the law as good. We therefore think we can fulfill it. I guarantee every single one of us at some point has tried to do things our own way. Because every single one of us in this room, we're just so smart. We've got such big brains. And we just know how to do everything the right way. What we don't realise is that if you put your faith in yourself, there's no room left for Christ. Your ego is just that big. Again, if you want to do things your own way, Christ is of no value to you. Think about it this way. You're looking at yourself. You're looking inward. You see all these little problems that you have and you're trying to root them out. It could be sickness, it could be addiction, or it could be your relationships. How many of you sitting here have been able to fix your own problems? 
I say fix, and it would have been really awkward if someone put their hand up. It's like, yeah, me. Oh, thanks. Uh, if you're sitting here and thinking that you can achieve anything on top of what Christ did, all I can do is encourage you to go back to the Word. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 states, well, Paul again, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. That's you and me. The one who plants and the one who waters is anything. God can use us, but only God who makes things grow. If you view yourself as more important than Christ, as more important than God, thinking you can add anything right there, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God. Who makes things grow. I remember when Steph and I lived in Mapleton. My Bible reading consisted of reading my verse of the day every single day. Like a good little Christian. On the surface it doesn't seem inherently bad. uh, But the heart of why I did it began to twist. My Bible app, as most of yours probably would have, had a daily streaks counter. I was going to make a joke about no, I'll leave that out, never mind. Meaning that every day you open the app, that little number will go up just by one. Next day, oh, one more. Oh, one more. I started to feel really good about myself after a while. Because I was ready. Whenever anyone asked, oh, Ned, have you been reading your Bible? I could say, look at this. Let me get my phone open. 200 days. How good am I? Pretty sick, hey? 200 days straight opening my phone. How good is that? The trouble is, Christ was of no value to me. I couldn't even tell you what I read. Didn't absorb anything. Because it was all about getting that little number to go up just one more. So that I could say to someone, I'm a good Christian because I open my Bible app every day. I wasn't listening at all to what I was reading or to what God was trying to tell me. You can't hear when you're a buffhead and when you're focusing on yourself. Learn from someone like myself who at the time believed they understood Christ. Believed they understood grace. Don't allow your view of Christ's gracious gift to be corrupted by your own stubbornness And self-righteousness. Paul makes it very clear. What these agitators. These broods of vipers deserve. As for those agitators. I wish they would go the whole way. And emasculate themselves. Paul has made it extremely clear. Where we should be seeking our justification. Folks, you and I cannot add anything more to what Christ has done. You and I cannot add anything more to what Christ has done. My favourite quote that I came across while reading through that message of Galatians Commentary by John Stott. Salvation is in Christ alone. 
by grace alone, through faith alone. If you're still sitting there and asking, oh, okay, what saves us? Faith in Christ Jesus alone. Through that comes the true life that you were born, that you were designed to be a part of, that God has placed there for you. Through Christ alone, that is the only way in which we can truly be one with God as we're supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, I just want to give you thanks just again, just for your word. And pray, Lord, as we head out from here, as we go about our weak sword, that we'll just be constantly reminded to keep putting the old self aside, Lord, and just grasping a hold of what you've put there for us, Lord, that gracious that gracious gift of Christ on the cross. I pray, Lord, that you will crack open our hearts, soften us towards that every single day so that we can put aside our own self-righteousness, our own stubbornness, and just heed the call of love that you've put before us, Lord. Again, just soften us, Father. Help us to know that you're in control, that you love us, and that you alone are all we need, Lord. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for your patience, folks.